Let the Liberty Bell ring! With Johnny and Raylene using the ancient communicator, they have hailed the ancient cosmonaut Ron Paul and now continue their journey of spreading peace and liberty throughout the galaxy. Congressman and three-time presidential candidate Ron Paul of Texas enjoys a national reputation as the premier advocate for liberty and politics today. Dr. Paul was the leading spokesman in Washington for limited constitutional government, low taxes, free markets, and a return to sound monetary policies based on commodity-backed currency. With victory achieved, Ground Control and his squad steal an encryption module needed to crack the status code and stop all their pending attacks. This day marks the turning point for liberty. The revolution has been won, and now we wait for what the future brings. Let's celebrate independence and liberty with Ron Paul on episode 50 of Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Great intro. That's me. And we're here with our very special co-host, co-host, Mr. Ground Control himself, Benjamin Weagle. Hey, how's it going, Tommy? Good, man. How you doing, man? How's it going? <laughs> doing on, uh, great. How's it on the ground, man? Eh, it's okay. <laughs> Not as good as being up in space, though. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been blasting off now for fifty episodes, and this has been one year, one year, because we actually started the very first show around July. 4th or 5th of 2018, and now it's 2019, and what an awesome experience. What an awesome experience. We've done 50 shows, Raylene, and Ben has edited at least 50 shows and has been pissed off every time. On the ground. Thanks for taking one for the team, Ben. I appreciate it. We do appreciate (laughs) it. Uh, But for those of you who don't know, Ben is our producer and our editor, and he does all the funny segments in between of the show sometimes. But Ben, thanks again for being here. I know you have a very, very busy schedule, and uh, man, it's it's been awesome. It's been an awesome fifty episodes. Yeah, I can't believe we're at fifty. Honestly, it's uh, yeah, it's been great. It's pretty amazing, and uh, you know, here's to uh, fifty more and way beyond, hopefully. Yes, to infinity and beyond. And uh, Toy Story 4 is coming out, and uh, I'm not really excited about it, but I, I did like the, the first three movies, but I'm more excited did you cry? about Did you cry on the third one? I did not. Okay, you monster. I didn't. <laughs> I don't remember. To be honest, I don't remember the third one. I mean, I just seen, I watched it. I'm sure I had, I, it was a tearjerker. I'm sure. I, I don't remember offhand. Right. Um, okay, so I'm going to put us in the direction of travel here. Guys, we've done 50 shows together as a team, and it's been so much fun. And every week, I look forward to hearing what we're doing. And this episode, obviously, we have Ron Paul on, and Ron Paul could only stay with us for 30 minutes. So we're here just trying to kill some time. So we have a full show. <laughs> I'm being honest, guys. I'm being honest. But... uh no, it's been awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that we have such a great team. 
Launchpad Media is doing kick-ass stuff right now. And, you know, Launchpad Media is booming right now. And Ben, you're actually doing, what are you doing right now? You're actually editing Tom Woods' show. You're actually doing his edits. Yes, I've been working with uh, Chris Williams over at Podsworth on uh, Tom Woods' show, the Bob Murphy show, uh, Contra Krugman a couple times. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. And that's, you know, that's kind of my, uh, you've gotten me into that by working with you on this show. So much appreciated. And uh, yeah, just, it's nice to be, uh, you know, making an impact in the movement and, you know, kind of networking and just growing out and stuff like that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So uh, guys, we've done 50 shows. I'm going to start with Raylene. Ladies go first. So like, what was your favorite show? Like we've done 50 of them. Give me your top three. Oh, well, crap. I mean, obviously Ron Paul, I mean, I've never thought besides that that could this happen. Besides this show, besides this show. I don't know. This one's still up in the air. We'll have to see. Yeah, it could, yeah, it could suck. I haven't heard it. I, I just loved doing it. Greatest shows. Shoot. I, I really liked the uh, modern day policing episode with uh, Pete Raymond, also known as Vance Raider. I really enjoyed, let's see. Well, you know, doing the interviews is a little different than listening to the after product too, because I have to say interviewing Eric July was super fun. Mm. And then discussing messaging with him, I had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. And um, what other one? I mean, what? I don't know. I like them all. I, 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 you know, I'm so excited. But you can't eat just one. You know, I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think is the best episode that, that I mean, at finished product is a little different than doing the interview. I don't know. Walter Block was a lot of fun. So give me your favorite interview and then your favorite, like, after it's done show. <sighs> It shouldn't be that hard, really. I know. We've I know. I, I don't know. I, I, well, I enjoy so much. I'm like, they're all my favorite. It's like f- picking a favorite crayon. It's very that's hard. A, but that's like such a politically correct answer. I mean, like, yeah, I it's like not everything. even trying to be like that. I know. I just really actually <laughs> fucking like them all. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to say I really love the Walter Block episode. I thought that was really fun to do the interview and, and I think it turned out pretty well. But I mean, I don't know. What are your guys' favorites? I want to hear them. Oh, I like how you divert that. All right, Ben, go ahead, man. That was, that was a weak answer. Come on, it was. It was my week. <laughs> my favorite is absolutely the uh, Michael Bolden episode. Yeah, that was great. Hilarious. I mean, really, really uh, smart guy. You know, very interesting. So that that was probably my number one. Number two, honestly, I think was right after would have to be the Kim Ruff episode. Obviously, oh. there's the uh, Johnny's sentimentality with that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was going to say. Yeah, actually, the actual show itself was Kim Ruff's. That was my favorite. And yeah, that that was hilarious. Yeah, and then <laughs> I, I would say if I had to pick three, I guess number three, I'll I'll do the uh, Raylene answer. It'll be a combination of all the other ones. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, those are great great examples. I I mean, I forgot how much I love them. And Michael Bolden episode and the Kim Ruff episode were both great to do the interview. They were fun, and also to listen to it afterwards. I was enjoying. Yes. You know what? One, I really liked. I really liked doing because it wasn't a libertarian show. Mm -hmm. Was the uh, Sword and Scale with Michael Boudet. Yeah. Yeah, that one was good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Besides Kim Roth's episode. I mean, I I found my wife. Yeah, he had a lot of sass. Yeah, he was great, actually. And he wasn't even a libertarian, but he was like, he had some of the ideas like pretty much on lockdown. I I don't know. I I think I would have to say, uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch Lawrence Reed. Oh, that's a great, I great love, one. I, I think that was another great one. I, I was really inspired by Lawrence Reed. I think he is great. And, Eric uh, Peters. Oh, the car guy. That was a great one, too. The libertarian car guy. Yeah. He is fantastic. Yeah, and I learned had, a lot uh, talking to him. 
Yeah, we've had so many shows. It's really hard to kind of button down like which out of the 50 are amazing. But I think yeah, that... I wish I would have had a copy of these questions beforehand. I would have had answers. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be kind of like, you know, you gotta just kind of think about it for a second. I mean, this hey, at least that. he didn't ask uh, what the least favorite shows were. That oh, might get a little hey, bit awkward. You know what? So. What's, what's your least no, favorite Johnny, show? Johnny, get out. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and uh, I, I loved Remzo, too. Remzo's you know, a- that guy in episode 24 was a real... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. what do you say? <laughs> uh, no. I noticed how you guys were, like, picking the first, like, 10 episodes. Probably because, like, we were new. Or you guys were kind of well, new. Arvin was really exciting to interview. Yeah, that's like, first 10 know. episodes. Yeah. Yeah, no, Arvin oh, yeah. was great. Arvin was great. I, I remember the first 10 episodes more than any of them, but because I think... You know, that was like when we were learning the most about what we're mm-hmm. doing. And I mm-hmm. think that's well, why it sticks in our heads more so, I think, than any other show or episode that we've done. Is that it's fr- it was like so new to us working together as a team. Together, because you've been doing this forever before right. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 150 episodes before you even brought me onto this show. Right, before yes. the GRLP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was yeah. like, it was just kind of learning you guys and how we work as a team that I think they kind of solidified where I was going with the show. Like, And we did some like really big changes. Like we didn't have like a launch sequence. We didn't have a landing sequence. We didn't have mm-hmm. much of anything. It was just an intro. We interviewed, our, we still had Rocket Fire. We brought that over from the old Johnny Rocket launch pad and we, we still had Rocket Fire, but everything else, we you know, we kind of added as we went, I, I don't think we did a launch sequence until like episode nine. So we like, we had that idea and it came into fruition like eight episodes later. Like, why don't we try this thing where we're doing this like checklist thing that we do every episode. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think a f- three or four episodes later, I said, wouldn't it be cool if we brought it back and we did if like we a land l- this thing? If we <laughs> land, because we're talking about taking off and then we're talking about landing yeah. and then we get, you know, get everyone kind of, we kind of bring it back down. And I thought it was cool. Like it was a cool idea. And then I like the little call outs that we do. And like you and I had written that over the phone. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it was like on an afternoon and we were just sitting there talking like, what can we do? Like, well, like in the military, you know, I was a pilot and we, you know, we talked about like cables, tie downs and or covers, tie downs and grounding cables is one of the checks that you do in a, a aircraft. You, you make sure you're not still stuck on the ground with like steel ropes and so I thought that was a cool first starter. And then from there, we just kind of got creative with the, uh, you know, downward expanders. Yeah, I really enjoyed writing, writing my co-pilotness in it. It's like so Star Trekky, And of course, like I'm a female co-host, so it made it extra like campy for me. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, do, oh, yeah, we, that, Johnny. Yeah, we so camped fun. that. I mean, it's funny, though. I mean, I, and I, I think. I get- Go ahead. And especially the Easter eggs in the in the landing sequence is really fun with the Your Body, Your Choice and the NAP and the defragged and woke. That's really fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we had fun. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Ben. Were you the guy who, did I come up with the idea with you or was it Raylene with the landing? No, it was, yeah, it was you and Raylene for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was cool because we're really kind of, you know, all these ideas happened organically. And when yes. we, we started the show, I mean, it was no like, we need to do this. It's just like one day I woke up and I'm like, let's do that. And we both kind of walked through it and we talk about these ideas that we did for the show. And it was just cool. Like, I love where we're going with the show. And then I remember I called you up one day, I think Ben too. And I'm like, guys, I have this great idea for the, um, by the way, this is the last episode of these little intros that we're doing with the, uh, you know, the 
old it's like timey. A radio, it's like a radio drama. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the old timey radio drama intros. But I thought it was a cool idea to kind of bring all these characters into a big story in the beginning. So it's like you follow from episode 36, I believe, when we started it, or 34 with CJ Angle. We've been doing this intro thing with the, and now, and that's me, by the way, doing those stupid intros. And they're a pain in the ass. And I really started hate doing them. Started hating, <laughs> do, started hating to do them. Excuse me, I can't talk. And uh, I just, I, I figured we'd end it with Ron Paul this episode now. Yeah, I kind of absolved you of that one, right? Yeah, yeah, Johnny, like, this is the time, bro. End it, and let's just make this, finish it up. Otherwise, you'd have to do it another 50 episodes. I know. (laughs) I don't want to do it another 50. No, man. No, (laughs) no. And it was just, it was just a pain in the ass. It was just a big pain in the ass, and I just got tired of doing it. And I, I don't even know if people are putting it together, like, in their heads. Like, this is one big story, guys. And okay, if you, wait till it's finished and, and you put it all, put them all together. Yeah, we're everybody. thinking about actually putting them in a like a radio drama format. So mm-hmm. I talked to Remzo about writing it. We're not sure if it's actually going to happen, but it would be really cool if it did. Um, but I don't know. I just thought it was cool, and I, I love the idea, Ben. I don't know what you, what, what do you think? Well, I just like what you're saying with all the uh, the organic and the way that we've just kind of been uh, branching out the show, adding segments. Kind of, you know, we we might try some things here and there. Maybe it doesn't work. Uh, we cut it either way, but it's, you know, this has been a big growth period from where we first started at oh, I mean, yeah. even the, uh, the two minute hate speeches, you know, that's another one, you know, me throwing in the ground control segments here and there. Oh, that's always, that's, that's always my, a fun thing. Dude, that's my um, and favorite then, part. Well, that's and, my... There, and there's a lot more to come too. I, I mean, we have a number of ideas we're working on that I'm excited to finalize and get out there and, you know, just take it to the next level that much farther. Yeah. So, well, we actually yeah. have soccer mom, Cindy. That's another one. Yeah. Jonathan, this is Cindy. Now, it's come to my attention that apparently you keep mentioning me on your little podcast. Now, I called to let you know that I don't appreciate being stereotyped like this, so knock it off. Yes, I'm a mom, and yes, my kids play soccer, but that doesn't mean you can just go around calling me soccer mom Cindy to everybody like I'm just some kind of joke. You know, I happen to be a very educated and informed woman. I had straight A's in college, and I'm certainly smart enough to see through your libertarian nonsense. So now you need to put down the crack bong already and see the real world. Open your eyes, Johnny. Greedy capitalist pigs like you can't run the economy. You know, who's, who's going to care for the children? Who will build the roads? See, I, I bet you've never even thought of that. And that's what happens when you just sit there with your beer and your drugs and your crazy friends and you live in your echo chamber. So I suggest you start looking for real news and actually try to be informed before you keep opening your mouth. Maybe if you'd pick up an issue off Huffington Post to talk about or watch ABC News at 9, you'd actually know what's going on with the world and see that you're the one who's crazy. So there, I said what I needed to say, and I hope you'll listen and learn the errors of your ways. Goodbye. Don't forget the first time I interrupted. Haha, ha, get it? Right now I'm interrupting. <laughs> when when I interrupted Rocket Johnny Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny was so pissed off in real life. Like he literally, after the show, he was like, don't ever interrupt Rocket Fire. And like totally. Right? He, Cardinal sin, it is. Yeah, he was so pissed. And I go, okay, I have a really good idea. We could do it like a, like a record scratch. And Ben comes in and yells at this, you know, that dumb and girl who's talking all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. It was and awesome. that was kind of a really funny shtick. And then sometimes uh, the guests will like invite me in to answer a question with them or something. And I'm like, ah, okay, Ben, here you go. I'll give you something to work with. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they don't understand our <laughs> policies and regulations. 
on the ship. But I mean, I, no, but it was funny. You know, and I was pissed because I'm like, God damn, you do not interrupt rocket fire. I mean, that's like the no, no. And then Ben's like, what is she doing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. But no, it was great. And, uh, you know, we've had so much fun doing this show. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know well, how I we can. I have to say well, one other aspect, too. I mean, if anybody's not uh, subscribed and listening to the after parties and the all nighters, too, you guys are missing out like crazy. Sometimes uh, the after parties, you know, is where we continue the uh, interview of the guests. There's sometimes they're better than the actual show. They are. And then the all nighters, too. You guys have different subjects you're going into. And, it's a lot more of uh, actually Johnny and Raylene's opinions on the all-nighter, which is really interesting. So, yeah, if, you, if you're not getting both of those, you guys got to sign up. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Raylene, where can they find that? Um, oh, <laughs> you can go to supportblastoff.com. And if you just throw a dollar in, you can get the after party where we put the uh, listeners get to put the guest on blast. And if you just donate $2, you get to listen to Johnny and I also talk about current events, things we're mad about, things we're happy, happy about, and uh, usually a lot of dad jokes, which is another great segment that got added is the Hey Ray. Segment, oh, yeah. Which, yeah. I think that is a really fun culmination of your dad joke love and uh-huh. our, our dynamic together and me just thinking you're a big dork. Well, like, here's the thing, though. <laughs> it's like this show is so serious. I mean, we talk about very serious things, but here's the whole point of the show. The point is to make Liberty fun. And even though we're talking about some serious topics that are sometimes depressing, we got we to gotta have fun doing it. I mean, like, we can't be all serious all the time. You know, and some people will say, well, you know, it's just so goofy and it's so there. And, but guess what? I mean, we're not dry. Ben is. But like, other than that, I mean, we're I not. I love Ben. I do too. Oh. And actually, but what yeah. I'm saying is like the show was supposed to be upbeat and fun. And it's always supposed to be that way. And that's how I envisioned the show. I mean, like I never envisioned the show being like you're just sitting there like, OK, yeah, I'm learning. Which is great. I mean, there's there's a there's a Enter- entertainment is yeah. huge for you. It's always been your focus, aside from the sound quality, which is why you and Ben get along so well. Is because he's we're a both audio nerds. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's very but good like, at it. But mm-hmm. the, the thing is, this show is is always been meant to be more like this is a libertarian show that takes you know humor. We try to be funny. We try to have you know cool special effects, cool little segments. Break you know break up the show a little bit. I want this show to be fun. And if you can learn stuff and be entertained at the same time, we're, we're winning. We're doing something right. And I think that's the most important thing to me doing the show is to have a good time. Because if we're not having a good time, no one else, why, why should anyone listen? Like that's yeah, the I, whole appeal to the show, I think. I think a lot of people don't realize how many uh, elevated ideas are in, uh, in our interviews there are. Um, there's a lot of real education about libertarianism and uh, the whole movement all the way through anarchism in our show. Yeah. And I don't think we get enough credit sometimes from people that listen to really educational podcasts for the fact that we have such an entertaining show, but there are really great concepts. And, and I think that noobs should listen to our show because it will help expand their understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, I think that the entertainment, uh, just like the comedy, the music, the sound effects, you know, the, the production uh, value that we strive for, is like that's that's our brand, you know. But then, yeah, once you get into it, there we go hardcore in depth into the, the ideas of uh, libertarianism and anarchy, and you know. But it, it's cool because as as deep and as radical as we can get at some points, um, I think we're we're a good primer for uh, new people also to you know. And that's kind of what we're going for. I think 
there's a lot of other shows that I listen to personally that I like and uh, mm-hmm. and they're they're a little more academic I guess I'll say and that's fine and you know th- and there's a lot of those and uh, we're we're yeah. trying to do something a little bit different more so to appeal to to new people to kind of bring them in you know because if I if I go to my my buddy and you know say we're having a beer and I'm like hey you want to listen to this show and it, all of a sudden it's uh, some economist talking about uh, you know the business cycle or something he's gonna mm-hmm. be like dude. What the- Turn this off, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but if I'm like, here, listen, listen to this, uh, this, this music, and uh, you know, and Johnny's cracking jokes, and you know, it's, I think it's a little bit, uh, it's easier to get people to warm up to it, you know, because you, if you're trying to convince somebody of something, you're trying to teach them something, you got to be their friend at the same time. You can't just be preaching and lecturing, you know. That's that's true, and I think that's what we're trying to accomplish by the show, and moving in the direction of liberty. You know, I've been waiting to do this interview with Ron Paul now for five years. I mean, since day one, I started this podcast or the old Johnny Rocket Launchpad. My dream is, was to have Ron Paul on the show. And actually having him on the show now, we've done it. Mission accomplished. I figured we'd do a little fun little game show with you two. And the name of the show is called Who Knows Ron Paul the Best. You guys ready to Ooh. play? You guys uh, ready yes. to play? And whoever's closer gets the point. All right, you guys, and we'll put some. We'll put some. Yeah, okay. I'm ke- wait. I'm keeping score, right? Uh, I'll keep score. <laughs> it's because okay. I'm asking the questions to you two. For sure. All He's right. Asking them. All right. Here we go. So, question one: What sport was Ron Paul pretty good at? Baseball. Really? What's your answer? I, I'm just gonna. I, I'm gonna say um, track and field. Okay. The the correct answer is baseball. Goes to Ben. Ben got Yay. one point. It, it sounded like he knew it so well that I'm yeah. like, I already lost. I can't say it now. Like it's fine. Okay. Was Ron Paul in a fraternity? True or false? I'm gonna, I'm say, gonna true. say true. You both are correct with one point. All right. How many babies did Ron Paul deliver? Whoever gets it closest wins the point. 2,000. Say 5,000. Ben gets the point with the correct answer is over 4,000. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, read, I read it. I just didn't remember. Very good, by the way, Ben. Yeah, good job. I'm trying over here. He's throwing softballs. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm going to get, they're going to get easier. You guys are lucky that I'm not uber competitive. That's all I have to say. All right. What Republican <laughs> did Ron Paul refuse to endorse? Mitt Romney? Ben? Yeah. Well, I think there's been multiple. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Okay, the correct answer is Mitt Romney. I'll give it to you both. Okay. Uh, how many kids does Ron Paul have? Four. Six. Raylene's got that with four. Uh, okay, what is Ron Paul's wife's name? Oh. Uh, Carol. Okay, Ben's got the point. Yeah. Where was Ron Paul born? Vermont. Texas. Okay, I'm going to go with Raylene on that because it's closer. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was over there. Yeah, it's I, over I there. always have a ballpark idea of because I remember reading it, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. What year did Ron Paul run as presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party? 81. 88. That is correct. Mm. And the last question How many times did Ron Paul run for president in what years? 2012, 2008, and 88. Is that right? Okay. Ben. Yeah, I'm giving the same answer. Yep. <laughs> okay. So the winner, I'm adding them up. The winner of Who Knows Ron Paul the Best is Ground Control himself, Ben yeah. Weagle. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I would just give it to you anyway because, uh, you know, I feel like I know him in my soul, but that oh, doesn't count God. for this contest. 
<laughs> oh my god! I've never won a contest like this before. This is great. <laughs> oh my god, Ben! Hey, ben, you, like you win a no prize. What do man? I get? A no prize? What is that? Uh, it's absolutely nothing. There you go, man. Don't Congratulations. <laughs> Anyways, that was Johnny Rocket. Thank you guys so much celebrating our fiftieth show anniversary and with Ron Paul himself. July 5th, 2019. Thank you guys so much. And both of you, thank you so much for being here on the show and doing this with me. It's been a true honor. Thank you very much. It's been an honor for me, you guys. I Thanks for just picking a rookie and, and sticking with her. Thanks, guys. Rock and roll. Anyway, so stick around for Ron Paul on episode 50 of Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, Johnny, what's up? That's so good. I haven't had any coffee this morning, and I ran out of my supply, and we just passed the last habitable planet in the Mesian sector. Oh, man. Wait, you have your own secret stash of coffee? What is it, a special blend or something? It's not a secret stash. I just have standards, okay? Oh, okay. Wait, what are they? Independence. What? Independence. Hmm, okay. Independence, my coffee is fearlessly independent. My coffee has no board members, no bank loans, no bullshit. Just blood, sweat, and tears, and no goddamn rulers. <laughs> well, I can always get behind independence, you know that, but it just seems a little over the top. It's just coffee. So, are you saying that you like your coffee like our messaging, which is bold? Damn, really. My coffee is my lifeblood. This coffee <laughs> believes that human beings are perfectly capable of rational self-government, and I can't fly this fucking ship without Okay, okay, calm down. Uh, oh, look, ground control's coming by. Oh, and Ben has coffee with him. Hey guys, Ground Control here. I just checked out AnarchoCoffee.com and they're having a special 10% off promotional discount for Blastoff supporters. On top of that, supporters get 15% off on our Blastoff brew. Anarcho Coffee will deliver to you no matter where you are in the galaxy. You guys want some? Here you go, Johnny. I heard this coffee is amazing. <sighs> okay. All right. This is the best coffee I have ever had. Wait, what about your special blend? I think I just found it. Wow. Well, and it says right here that Anarcho Coffee is organically farmed, it's ethically sourced, and roast to order. And it's not stored in some dirty warehouse for six months before you get it. It's fresh, it's rich, and it's independent. <laughs> Just like you wanted. And they take Bitcoin, too. Well, make sure you check out anarchocoffee.com forward slash blastoff. Again, that's anarchocoffee.com forward slash blastoff. It's self-governed caffeine. Okay, Raleen, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot, Raylene. Are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Ron I'd like to preface the show by pointing out with the utmost respect and appreciation for all you've done to contribute to the freedom movement and human liberty. It has been a dream to get you on the show ever since I started the Johnny Rocket Launchpad five years ago. And you've influenced a generation of libertarians and have definitely inspired me. And you were one of the reasons many of us are here at now advocating for limited government, personal liberty, free markets, and choice. Thanks, Dr. Paul, for being here. 
Great to be with you today, Johnny. So, so really quick, I, I know that uh, Freedom Fest, uh, my buddy, gave you a comic book called the Liberty Force Comic. And I have a picture of you with the uh, comic book. I just want to know if you've read it or not. I just got to know. Well, if I did, it just doesn't flash into my mind right now, so I don't, I don't have it. <laughs> so I, get, no, I see no. a lot of that, but I can't quite visualize it. Oh, no problem, sir. Hey, so there, lately there's been a lot of support for Bernie Sanders in the last few years, and Bernie has seemed to gain a lot of support from people that had originally supported you, and you and Senator Sanders, Sanders are completely opposites of the political spectrum. Yet I see so many former Ron Paul supporters jumping on the Sanders bandwagon. What do you think happened? Why, why is this going on? Well, you know, I don't run into individuals like that personally because I'm not running for office. Uh, I, I think there's some reason for that to happen uh, because, um, you, you know, he's independent-minded. We did work together. We had some agreements about not uh, subsidizing corporations, you, you know, corporatism is something that was not his favorite nor mine. And he was smart enough to come to me that if he was wanting to cut, you know, a special interest subsidy deal for corporations and big business, and sometimes it would involve the military, he was, uh, he, you know, uh, he and I were able to work together. But uh, I think since he's been running uh, for, uh, for the um, presidency, I think his uh, positions have changed a little bit, but there was reason to uh, see him as an individual that uh, they should at least listen to. Uh, but uh, I, don't, uh, I don't think he has much of a strong leaning toward libertarianism. Right on. I agree. Yeah. The Ron Paul revolution ignited the brush fires of liberty and hearts all across this nation. Your message hit a nerve and people took heed. Which topics do you foresee libertarians making the most impact with in this next election? Well, you know, I think it's um, it's early because if there's a war going on, I would uh, hope that the war would get most people's attention. I spend a lot of time uh, now, as well as I did in the Congress, just trying to prevent these wars from breaking up because they're, it's, uh, it's so consuming of wealth and life and, and such a big problem and so hard to get out of wars under these conditions. But uh, if, it's, if it's like it is right now, I don't think the war and foreign policy will be the, the big, big issue. Uh, for some reason, it's uh, interesting to see so many people in, uh, being involved in talking about the economy when, on one hand, we hear the economy's at peak, uh, there's no unemployment, and, uh, and there's no inflation and all these things. Well, I think there's uh, some misinformation there. I think there is some economic problems. I think uh, that there are a lot of people, or the, the uh, people living on the street right, right. Uh, aren't just accidental, and, uh, and this is this is something that we have to deal with and not pretend that everything is perfect. It, why, why would Trump be so eager to really, really work hard at keeping interest rates down and go to the extreme of having tariffs on if he wasn't panicked about something in the economy? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, for me, working on the personal liberty issue is always the big goal. Then, and then uh, if it isn't a war going on, it's the war against the American people and the economy here at home. And probably close to that, which can be a big issue, especially for young people, is uh, personal liberty, civil liberties, you know, that, and libertarians ought to have a, a strong appeal to, uh, to young people. It's just too bad we're not hearing it in this particular campaign. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Paul, what is your position on Andrew Yang's idea of universal basic income 
And what do you think about the automation replacing people and workers? How do you think the U.S. will deal with this? Well, universal income is total nonsense. You can't achieve that. That's not going to do it. If you have things replacing people, it it, it depends. I mean, we had to we had to uh, replace the individuals that took care of horses and buggies in order right. to build yeah. automobiles. And you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. this yeah. whole idea that if something is going to destroy, it, no, I'm all for I'm all for the progress. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think it's great. And they worry more than they have to because there might be a law between in the, in the in the uh, transition, right. uh, what? Uh, but I'm I'm uh, uh, you know really really impressed with uh, looking at what the last 200 years have done, especially the last hundred years as far as technology and improvement. All of this, you know, where they used to have to work 15 hours a day, uh, they can they can produce and maybe work six or seven hours a day, and people <clears throat> people live a lot better. So there's tremendous productivity. There's this tremendous improvement in uh, standard of living for many, but it could be a lot better if uh, this technology wasn't used to uh, destroy people, in, you know, in the issue of war. And, mm-hmm. uh, so often technology is, um, is used for that. It's used for increasing the standard of living, but that's why attitudes have to change, and that's why I endorse the libertarian principle of non-aggression. Just think how wonderful the world would be if we could exactly. have a few more people, especially in government, who knew and understood and would follow the principle principle of non-aggression. Absolutely. Absolutely. A common issue, yes, a common issue for those who wake up to the evils of statism and the long reach of their own oppression is to feel overwhelmed, hurt, and anger. How do you find the fortitude to keep pressing forward? And have you ever personally battled with a loss of hope? And any advice for us? No, I, I really don't. I mean, I get discouraged at times about, about why we can't do better. Annoyed is more the other word. But mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me that. How did you? How did you put up with it? You you <laughs> have a different understand. You have a, bit, a different understanding, and uh, you were up there with these people that uh, really didn't care that much, and things didn't change that much. Um, and I said, well, I never really expected to be elected. I was just speaking out, and I thought, well, mm-hmm. nobody would pay any attention. But then. When I got there, I thought, well, I want to just set a record, and, and I won't get reelected, and that'll that'll be it. So I had I had expectations that were quite different. I had low expectations, and yet I think that I was fascinated with the fact that I got some attention. You know, we we did get a lot of attention on foreign policy, although, and I think we're winning some of those uh, victories slowly, and certainly we got some attention on monetary policy. I think the Fed is under much uh, greater attack now than it ever has been and I think with the next downturn the Fed is going to have to answer a lot of questions because in the past 10 years a lot of people have come to realize that uh, the mess is caused by monetary uh, you know pop manipulation and uh, if anybody conservatives or libertarians and at times liberals uh, if they want to reduce the size and scope of government uh, they have to uh, get rid of the Fed because that's this automatic taxation by just printing money. And that, right. that to me is a big issue. And uh, I, I think that uh, if, we're, if we're interested in curtailing big government, you have to deal with the monetary issue. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Paul, what do you think of the Libertarian Party? I know that you have, uh, you have some foundations in the Libertarian Party back in the 80s. What do you think of them? you think it's about messaging the ideas of liberty? you think they're doing a good job at that? And what do you think could be done to make the Libertarian Party maybe more effective? 
Well, we need more people in there that are libertarians. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's true. I I gave a speech at last last go around. There was the Libertarian Party was having it, but I was at I was I told them I was addressing the Libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah. But no, I'm just I, I'm disappointed with them. I mean, that last go around with Bill Weld on the <sighs> ticket that, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. No, I'm a I, technically I'm a lifetime member of the Libertarian. Party. I never sent them back my card or anything. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always encouraging the Libertarian Party to uh, stick. To, I mean, they have room to stick a hundred percent with what they believe in. Mm-hmm. But this idea that, well, if we just go easy on here, we're going to become a national party. Uh, that's not good. But no, I, I wish them well. And uh, some people uh, just can't stand the Republicans and Democrats, and they want to work with Libertarians. I think they should. I think they should try to influence. But I think uh, I think since Harry Brown, we haven't had a really good candidate, you know, yeah, in the Libertarian Party. But I, I think it's if we had more people like um, like Harry Brown and others running, they they could get more attention. Last go around, it's just a shame that we didn't have a very active group when people mm-hmm. couldn't stand Trump, nor could they stand Hillary, and yet uh, Libertarians didn't do much better because they were trying to blend in. Oh, right. I know. I know. And I, by the way, Dr. Paul, please don't blame me because I had nothing to do with the Bill Weld thing and Gary Johnson. I didn't. <laughs> <Me> <laughs> just to let you know, just to clarify that. I've often used your bravery and honesty as a personal inspiration in my own activism. How difficult was it for you to be involved in politicking? And what were your relationships like with other politicians? Were you unpopular? Well, I, um, my views were unpopular, you know, when I, uh, you know, if they would have been very popular, we would have never gone into Iraq. Mm-hmm. But my approach was um, understood what liberty was all about, that very strong believing and, and and wanted to spread that message. But I never believed that it could be spread by any antagonistic arguments and debates and pushing and, and you know, obstructing and things like that. So I went out of my way, actually, and some people would criticize me. Well, you were too friendly with those liberals. No, I wanted to always be on good terms with people because I was uh, always taught that if you have something to say worthwhile, they'll come and ask you. And on occasion, they would. They'd come and a few were converted. But it's very tedious, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, to, to do it that way. But no, I felt uh, pretty good about how I got along with the members of Congress because uh, they, it was sort of... Uh, you know, there was a there was an understanding. There was one time I had a vote. There was a vote, and most of the, there were many times if there was a single vote, everybody knew it would be my vote. But it was one time I came up. There was a single vote, and it wasn't mine. So I went over to him. And I said, "Now listen here. I don't want you taking away my reputation. <laughs> you're not allowed. You're not allowed to do this." Right. So uh, no, I kept it on that level, and then I tried to be, uh, uh, you, you know, as oriented toward the issues as I could be, and that was my approach with monetary policy. Uh, you know, I remember Sanders was on the uh, uh, banking committee when uh, we had Volcker and Greenspan and these guys coming in, and he'd yell and scream and all this kind of stuff. But that wasn't that wasn't my approach, and uh, I tried to at least have conversations with them. Uh, you know, you might even learn something where they're coming from. <laughs> so, right. But uh, so I think I think demeanor and approach. Uh, 
is, is pretty important. Uh, besides, I don't enjoy the other approach. Uh, but, but if you think that, you know, if you just change your tune, all of a sudden they're going to love your message. It's not true. You have mm-hmm. to, uh, the message is much different. It has to, has a bigger audience. What you're doing is more important to change in the message, reach as many people as possible. So they understand what we're doing. And I, I talk about prevailing attitudes. If the attitudes are anti-war, uh, they may be pokey at stopping the war, but they eventually will. That's what happened with Vietnam. I'm mm-hmm. and today on my program. I argue the case. We have to be anti-war early, you know, before the exactly. war starts. You know? right. mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing because I do not believe that uh, people, uh, you know, really uh, enjoy war. Trump, I don't think, for a minute enjoys uh, war. But uh, the the uh, the, the, mes- the message is uh, for me is that young people in the United States between 18 and 25 they get together and they say, you know, why why don't we have a war? Why and then the people over in uh, in in some Iraq or some other place, and they say, "Oh yeah, they're eighteen to twenty-five, and we don't like Americans. We're going to go to war." Young people don't do that; they'd rather go play games, which would be much better. So, exactly. uh, but but they um, uh, the wars are started by old people who have special agendas, and and that's where the evil exists. Interesting, Doctor Paul. What, what can be done with improving relations with Russia? And also, what can be done to suppress a lot of the people who are very pro-war in the current administration? And do you actually see a war with Iran? Well, you know, they played games this week with Iran because uh, they said that we were close, close. They're going to attack us. And yesterday they announced, oh, they're not going to anyway. So uh, I, I guess there won't be a war now. So it's it's the provocation so that they can keep sp- spending weapons. Uh, no, I know I'm spending money on weapons. I just think that uh, the Iranians do not want war. And uh, I think this war propaganda is just really, really bad that they do this. So um, I think we, we should uh, keep arguing the case, and I, it's just astounding that we took uh, a peace dividend in 1990 when the Soviet system collapsed, and it was moving along okay. We started trading and traveling and dealing with Russia, then all of a sudden comes along and we had to have an enemy, you know, to fight. So they're back. They're back demanding. It's it's why why do we have people like Bolton in our government and Pompeo? Uh, so mm-hmm. even though I give I give the president the benefit of the doubt because I think he has some good instincts, but he doesn't have good judgment on his personnel. Exactly. And then, then he then he gets into trouble and he backs off. I think that's what happened just recently on on Iran. They kept provoking and provoking and provoking, and finally, you know, he's put his foot down. And the other the other day he got annoyed with Bolton because Bolton, he said, Bolton, why, why'd you get me involved in Venezuela? That was a lousy coup you tried to pull <laughs> off. Right. So, so that, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't make any sense. Policy, it's policy, determination, and um, policy is designed too often uh, to appease the people who are, who, are, who are the noisiest. And in Washington, the people themselves can be the boss and stop a war, but in the most part, when nobody's looking, uh, the military-industrial complex and the special interests and special governments in other countries provoke us and, and, and tell us that America 
American exceptionalism is so great that we have this moral obligation to spread it around the world. That attitude would have to change that uh, if you have an exceptional nation, you're doing a good job. The only way in a, in a free society or in a practical way that can be spread is by uh, setting a good example. And there was a time when America was a good example, but now, now it's horrible. You know, we have two foreign policies. We go and talk to people. We say, you do what we, uh, this is what we would like you to do. And they say, oh yeah, okay, we can do that. And they said, fine, we'll send you some more money. And, but then once, then if they change your mind or somebody said, no, we're not going to do it, then we bomb them. And, exactly. uh, yeah. and, and, and that, that whole thing has to change, but it's not going to change with the clowns in Washington right now. You're going to have to get young people energized to move toward peace. And when you think about it, you, when you started off with Bernie Sanders, he's already moving in, in that camp, you know, uh, right. although I think imperfectly. And, uh, this is also the reason that I've complimented, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, uh, because she right now, uh, has the best foreign policy of all the Democrats. Wow. No doubt. Speaking of young people, I caucused for you in 2012, and I really saw a definitive battle between the dinosaur Republicans in charge and the liberty-focused youth who were fighting to get you votes. Um, so uh, uh, because you've specifically influenced young voters and you're talking about the what we can do to harness their peace-loving nature and, and the things like that and innovation, what are you concerned about uh, regarding our youth? Well, I think I, I think the uh, mess that we have in social media doesn't uh, isn't very helpful, mm-hmm. and there's too much influence there. And there was a time uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of people in my family think you know Facebook is pretty neat. Hey, we haven't talked to our cousins, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really seductive. Mm-hmm. And and then when you know how it was started, what they do, how much information they accumulate, and uh, they don't even charge you to you may use their services but they use it to uh, help run the country and the world, and they are just nothing more than an arm of government. Mm. So I think that's, uh, that's where our biggest problem is, is that uh, too much information. I think our university system is just not worth much. Uh, I think people should be getting their education elsewhere as, uh, as, as much as mm-hmm. possible from homeschooling and private schooling. But uh, that's, that's, uh, that's cultural Marxism and the professors, some of the stupid stuff they do and the evil things they do why isn't why will the board of directors you think they would have something to say but they you know they do these things and then the principals uh or you know the the leaders in the college come and they throw out the good guys and let this this junk go through so it's a it's a you you know uh adam said that uh, none of this will work the constitution won't work if you don't have a moral society and in in many ways i think that uh what we're talking about is reflection of an immoral society yes it's politics but uh, if you're dealing with an immoral society one that detests family life and children and all this thing you you can't legislate the government is not involved matter of fact the government reflects that system uh, and uh, so it's not sending more people to Washington to try to legislate and uh, well what we need to do now is uh, have this 
universal educational course from the Department of Education in every one of our grade schools to teach him about patriotism, you know, that kind of stuff. That's yes. nonsense. But, uh, some, but the people are waking up. There's a lot of people that uh, know how bad the schools are. And, and when the crunch comes, uh, which it will come economically and socially, uh, then, then there's a, there'll be an opportunity to reassess all this because I think, I think our message is spreading. That's where I'm optimistic that there's more people out there than anybody realizes. So then uh, we'll have a chance to talk about monetary policy and personal liberty and, and and have an answer to this because right now it's it's going downhill rather rapidly. Uh, mm-hmm. The big danger is is what if they decide to go in the wrong direction and they uh, they uh, you know accept a tyrant to sort these things out. That mm-hmm. that would be the great danger. But the only thing that we can do is try to educate as many young people or anybody who thinks in a young way that that's the wrong way to go. And we have to have to be very positive about the economic system and you know how people are supposed to run their lives and why non-aggression is uh, is is really a major solution and why uh, non-intervention overseas is crucial if they want to live in a peaceful, prosperous world. Absol- absolutely, Dr. Paul. Uh, Dr. Paul, really quick, do you think that there's possibly going to be a uh, economic collapse? I mean, there's a lot of people from the Mises Institute who are predicting that next year, possibly next year, there could be a major economic crash. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree. I think there is going to be a big crash and a big correction. They cannot sustain this debt. It's a debt bomb, and there will be liquidation of debt. But uh, and Austrian economics shows you that you can predict the bubbles and the distortions, the malinvestment, and why debt is bad. But uh, they admit right off from the beginning, and Mises admitted this: you cannot uh, predict when it's going to happen because that involves many, many emotions and decisions and confidence levels. Uh, I mean, the system that we have now, the dollar system in the American empire is, uh, is not a very viable system, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's uh, people still trust in the dollar and they're frightened by our military power and they're going along with it, but it's weakening. I think our foreign policy is weakening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And eventually there's going to be some conclusion in what, when I see the crash coming economically, it'll be a problem. But I think that we have antagonized and provoked so many people around the world that uh, people are going to pile on because if we can't bail them out militarily or we can't print more money like we did in in 2009, 2010 and bail everybody out, uh, they right. don't they won't care a hoot about us and uh, and and that's when the empire ends. But and I believe that'll happen. And uh, the big question is is uh, what are we going to do to uh, contribute something in the replacement of it? Wow. Mm. Um, so Venezuela adopting democratic socialism was obviously a huge mistake um, we, economically. We all know this. But do you believe U.S. involvement in Venezuela right now is an act of aggression or empiricism? And what are your predictions? You, our actions in Venezuela? Yes. Yes. Well, oh, yes. I think uh, I think sanctions are an act of war. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had bad economic policy. They were poor. And we've been messing around involved there for a long time. But two years ago, we put the worse trouble they got in, the stronger our sanctions were in. And that really drove them into the ground. Yeah, I think that's all, uh, uh, you know, a commitment of war. Uh, and it's... Uh, 
we shouldn't be there. And this whole idea that our CIA and our government should pick the next president and say, oh, oh yeah, Guaido's the president, uh, and, and, and just say, we, we will pick the president. I mean, nothing could be more arrogant than that. So, no, we need to just stay out of it completely and totally. Even, even if one guy is definitely better than the other guy, I don't think we should be involved because you might just undermine the benefits that the, that the good guy has. But yeah. uh, right now in Venezuela, I don't think the replacement uh, of a CIA-endorsed uh, candidate can be much better than Maduro. Right on. Dr. Paul, one final question, and okay. this is kind of a, this is a fun one. Should the U.S. colonize the moon, and who owns the moon? <laughs> I guess whoever gets there and can put a stake down their military. I don't think it should be... Uh, I, I, I think it's the silliest thing going on. That, and even some very, very wealthy, smart people are talking about, you know, in such and such state, uh, we're going to have, you know, a million people living out <laughs> on the moon and all these places. Heck, we, can't, we don't even occupy the South Pole or the North Pole. Exactly. Yeah, there's exactly. actually some oxygen down there. <laughs> there's nothing up there. So uh, I, I, I think the government should stay out of it. They shouldn't be spending the money on it. And uh, I, I think what uh, the, these rich people, uh, if they made their money without any benefits from the government uh, and they're, they're going to have billions, I don't resent that at all. But I think they would do what some of them are doing right now, you know, uh, exactly. uh, invest in, investing in, in, uh, in I, I love the idea of space. I was a flight surgeon and, and even that, that was a long time ago. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be neat to be one of the first doctors ever go into space? And, that would be kind of uh, cool. I like, I like the whole idea, <laughs> but yeah. I don't like, uh, you, you know, uh, I, I just don't think the government should be involved. I think, uh, but, it, but it's very, very interesting. Uh, so, um, but they're not going to uh, uh, avoid that. They're going to try to justify. Now we have a space force, just another right. boondoggle. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah. they're never going to build. They're never going to build it because that crunch we're talking about is going going to happen uh, before that we have our space force. Oh, Absolutely. thank you so good much, news. Dr. Paul. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute honor. We've been waiting to talk to you for five years. And thank okay. you so much for the opportunity. Good. Enjoyed being with you. Thank you, sir. You have a great one, Dr. Paul. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Guys, make sure you head on over to uh, ronpaulinstitute.org. You can check out uh, the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity, which is where he's doing uh, most of his work these days. And then also head on over to supportblastoff.com and check out the rest of our episodes and subscribe. You know, hear the after party and uh, the rest of the content. Yeah, and and this after party, I guess, Ben, you're going to put... Raylene and I on blast because we have listener questions. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. Ask us anything. So if you guys want to have asked us questions in the past, we haven't put out an ask us anything show. So on this after party, please listen, subscribe (laughs) a dollar. And if you want to hear our take on current events, the world and what pisses us off, please check us out for $2 on the all nighter. Anyway, so this Johnny Rocket always launching ideas with my co-host, Miss Raylene Lightheart and Mr. Benjamin Weigold. Have a great day. Rock and roll. Independence Day is a federal holiday in the United States commemorating the Declaration of Independence of the United States on July 4th, 1776. 
The Continental Congress declared that 13 American colonies were no longer subject to the monarch of Britain and were now united, free, and independent states. It was a revolution. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that men are more disposed to suffer while the evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having indirect object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. <laughs>